one day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Super excited today. Today, I have Blair Green and Kate Edwards here with me. Um, They are both authors, business owners of public health and running physical therapy. Okay, and they're both moms. We're going to be talking all things public health and running today. As I shared, they're both authors, which is new that I've had on the podcast too. They both uh, co-authored Go Ahead, Stop and Pee. So definitely going to ask them about their book today as well. Ladies, thank you so much for being on today. Thanks for having us. All right. So when we left off last, I was just talking to Kate and was wondering if she wouldn't mind sharing. She works with a lot of elite runners. And I'm just curious to know, you know, I'm sure the clinicians would love to know too. And then any runners listening, um, you know, are there a lot of differences? And if so, what are the differences between treating, you know, an elite runner, um, specifically postpartum, you can go into if there's other concerns too, compared to your, your, your average runner per se, even your average, like competitive, you know, um, runner, I guess, is there much of a difference or is it, is it very similar? So there are a lot of similarities and a lot of differences, really. So, you know, I, my favorite thing to say is it depends. And, you know, my like students, uh, it depends. Um, yes. But the answer is that um, from a resource availability standpoint, elite athletes have a lot more resources um, because it's their job. And yeah. so um, if they anything happens to their body that impacts their contracts, that impacts their, them financially, and that adds a whole lot of different things that us regular people, mere mortals, um, don't really have to, (laughs) don't really have to deal with, you know what I mean? So from, from an availability standpoint, they have a bigger teams and they should. Um, and because of that, they have more care that's readily available. Um, one thing I have learned, which, um, I'm actually really surprised about, but, um, over the years, I've learned that even though at these elite athletes have these big teams that they work with, they're not always getting the right information. And mm-hmm. um, it's been incredibly surprising to me. And right now I'm working on a project helping a team um, kind of figure out what's missing and how to get them back on track so that they can improve their performance. And there's a lot of different things. And so I, I yeah. wonder sometimes if um, the elite athletes get stuck in the machine and mm-hmm. they don't, they can't get out and they mm-hmm. don't necessarily have what they need. So that's, mm-hmm. that's just a whole nother really big, long discussion. But then yeah. in terms of um, like the rest of us, we have the same problems that they do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we still get diastasis. They get diastasis. There's mm-hmm. urinary incontinence in both. Um, there's performance issues. There's stress fractures. There's um, hip drop, which, you know, and like their glutes aren't firing. So those are all the yeah. same 
but speed of recovery is often better in the elites again because of availability of resources if they're if they're good resources and then yeah. also um they spend more time because it's their job doing it yes um yeah. <laughs> and you know like a lot of them will come to pt you know you know, twice a week. So in my clinic, it's a cash-based clinic um, Mm -hmm. uh, out of network. And we see people for one hour, um, usually once a week, but some of our elites will see twice a week because Mm -hmm. they've got a big race coming up or what have you. So I think that that's the biggest thing. And then the other little component is um, we have to work with um, their training schedules and the way that they ramp up and, and, and come down from their training schedules and the cyclical nature of it is different than those of us, um, regular athletes. So how they build and how they come down and we have to match rehab Mm -hmm. with those programs, or we have to work with the coach to take that program and match their, um, their healing patterns. Um, so that's, that's the, those are the big differences. Okay. No, that's helpful. I mean, it's like you would, you know, I would just like assume, you know, it's like similar, but you know, of course, like you said, like resources and stuff, I think that's that, especially that component about just knowing their, their training cycles, just being a lot different. Um, you know, that's helpful to know. Well, yeah. And I, I also have to say like the financial stress of not being able to run for a lot of these women is really a really big deal. And I know that there's a lot on the news about that recently um, and about how our female athletes are being treated um, Mm -hmm. across the board, which is um, not only mind blowing and it's devastating and it makes me furious. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know some of those women, right? So um, I think all of that comes into play when you're an elite athlete to the body image, the financial component, and all of the Mm -hmm. things that um, you're being told about yourself and your performance that may not be correct. Yeah. And that's not going to help recovery, obviously. (laughs) No, I mean, it changes how your body, I mean, your body responds to your beliefs and your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so physical on a very physiological level. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're under all that kind of stress, you're not going to heal as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah totally understand that so no that's super helpful thank you um for the clinicians in this group um I wouldn't mind if you go into Kate do you do any courses and stuff too do you guys do that together at all right or okay I, I think we should do a course together Blair, or Blair but, sorry I meant to say Blair no, talking to two people I meant to say Blair oh, no, I looked at Blair and I said Kate no that's so, a <laughs> we should do one together something else to add to this I know something about because I already teach the running course. So I teach a uh, running course for public health solutions. It's called the running athlete because I'm not very creative. Okay. Um, I also uh, <laughs> I also teach like health and wellness classes and talk about like the um, um, talk about like what I'm talking about now in terms of health and wellness and the nervous system and ep- epigenetics and genetics and all this kind of stuff. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. but Blair and I don't um, teach a course don't together. Actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay, I didn't I, think so. Sure. Yeah, because and I teach, I do more of the traditional. I'm also an adjunct professor at Emory. So I teach okay. a women's health elective for the entry level DPT students. Um, that's a one semester course that I'm do I do for them every spring. Uh, and then I teach, if you ever really want to go learn about the pelvic floor, even the external part, I teach um, for a company that that does that. Um, I in a pelvic health curriculum, like kind of entry level pelvic health and then advanced and then I also teach pelvic floor dry needling which is fun oh, oh so, my god really different <laughs> sorry I was just thinking of our experience Blair I'm sorry <laughs> well that's well that's why I teach the class it, not um, and I won't and I won't mention names but the reason the reason that whole class came to be 
was because <laughs> I took a class. So, you know, there's all these different schools that train PTs in dry needling and they all kind of like have their turf wars. And this was very early on. I became trained in dry needling in 2009. Like we were amongst the first in the yes. country yeah. um, to do this. But, yeah. but I will say we were trained by one group and the other group had the pelvic floor class and somehow they allowed us to take it. And it was such, I, I, without using bad words, it was not the ideal experience. And it's, it was, well, if I were going to teach this class, this is not how I would teach it. And that kind of created this, okay, I'm going to create and teach <laughs> a class to show clinicians how to dry needle the pelvic floor. And, and my, my class specifically, it's very clinically relevant, which is why I like it because I take it all back to here's when and how you would use this on a real patient, not just here's this muscle and here's how you needle it. Um, because mm -hmm. I think that can, that's where things get a little scary, especially for people that don't really understand that anatomy, because unless you are really treating the pelvic floor on a regular basis, you, you really don't fully understand that anatomy. Um, yeah. but that's where that came from. So yeah, but, but we should, <laughs> we should teach a class that would be fun. I mean, I've done some like workshops and I've taught it. I've done some stuff at CSM in terms of like, you know, return to, you know, postpartum kind of return to activity. And I've done some like oh, PT yeah. Pilates type stuff and things like that, but we don't have a, course. well, I think we both have a course and we could just mush them together and like work yeah. it out and yeah. like add, and add this, add the stuff. And actually I, I think we should it. totally do that. Like in the next few months. So just because yeah. we both have it, <laughs> why not? Um, and then yeah. make it more fun with the, your guys' personalities together and just make it. Oh yeah. <laughs> it'd be a fun pretty, time. Yeah. It'd be pretty hilarious, to be honest with you. Um, I would like to make, make one, one other hilarious comment, though, about this <laughs> pelvic um, floor dry kneeling is Blair was my boss and I was her partner. I'm just saying, like, talk about, and she was like, what, I'm like, it was early on before we were like good friends and like really like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It was before like we got each other and we like, she was the yin to my yang and like all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I was like so terrified because she was my boss and also needling my belt. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, oh man. And then you had to needle hers too. Oh yeah. Your partners, right? <laughs> that would be the most. Yeah. Well, yes. And also, you know. <laughs> Like she, I wasn't a pelvic floor therapist and I was like, yeah, I'll go to that. And then I'm like, I don't know. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. I don't know all these muscles as well. So I was happy to have her with me. Too. Like, oh shoot. Yeah. It was very terrifying. Yeah. It's a good thing I like to teach because it was like a learn it was a learning experience for both of us. But no, I mean yeah. I loved I love to teach and my big my big sort of soapbox, like I said, is that the pelvic floor doesn't have to be like this separate entity. Like my teaching colleague calls it calls people are vagina centric. That's like her favorite term. Says I figure we're in the clinician group now. I can say this, but she's always like, Oh yeah, I can say whatever. <laughs> well, people are vagina centric. Like they don't like to go, you either like to be fully outside the vagina, never to talk about it, or you only do that and you forget <laughs> about everything else. And I yeah, I really my big soapbox is that we have to put it, you have to put it all together. Like I don't know how you can't like the pelvic floor muscles attached to the sacrum and the coccyx and the and ominous like how do you and all those fascial connections and with the adductors and the abdominals like how do you not treat it all together yeah. so that's yeah. my big soapbox 
No, you're right. You have to. I warned you she would like to talk about the vagina. I just warned you before we started, but you're (laughs) totally. So Lewis Blair likes to talk about the vagina. (laughs) But I mean, but the truth is, I mean, you're totally right. And as an orthopedic, you know, specialist and as a running specialist, I mean, I even talk about the vagina a lot because of you. And, um, and I refer to you because um, it's so important. I mean, there's so many people that have the unresolved hip pain or back pain or sacral pain or mm-hmm. whatever else, because, and what it comes back to is that, you know, their pelvic floor hasn't been addressed and it's this huge yeah. missing piece because, um, it's something that so many people avoid. So I, I yeah. tease, I tease, but, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, I, I mean, sure. I feel like, and I, you know, I think for all of us clinicians that work with runners, like anyone in this group and who listens to the podcast for the most part works with runners. Um, and I know granted like my direction and what I'm doing, it's gone a little bit of a different way, but like, I just feel like I know I still need to, or want to learn more. Cause I'm like, I know like, you know, that is a very important part and I don't need to always be referring out necessarily if it's, you know, all external. Um, and I personally feel like, like I, like you're just talking about like long lingering stuff. I know I've had some lingering like back pain that was, it was from an injury. Um, but I've always like, I've talked about this before. I don't really care. Like, I, anyone that knows me on a personal level, like I know I pee way too much. And like, there's some other signs like with, you know, other things I'm like, you know, person on a personal level, I'm like, I need to at some point probably check out if that's contributing towards these signs and symptoms too, just in myself. So I think it's always a good, um, just to, you know, to hear from you guys and both of you guys be like, yeah, it's all interconnected. And as any, you know, public health PT knows, um, what would you say? So if you don't mind, could you both mention again, the, um, the courses that you both teach and yeah, what they're called, if that's okay. The, the, yeah, both the courses, Kate, if you want to start. Sure. Um, so I teach a course called the Running Athlete, and right now Pelvic Health Solutions um, is okay. the one that hosts that, um, and it's okay. online okay. because of COVID. Um, oh, cool. Okay. Um, so it's pretty great. I teach it about three times a year. I taught it last week. It's uh, it's like eight hours total. Um, okay. But it's really cool because I take you through the lifespan and I compare what the differences are between female and male athletes. I talk about cyclical training um, based mm-hmm. on your cycle and the hormones, and I talk about I go into running drills and gait analysis and I give exercises and all of that kind of stuff. So that's a really fun course, I think, um, if you're a nerd like me and love running. Um, And then I'll probably launch it on my website as a recorded version soon as well. I was going to say, hey, you just missed it. (laughs) Yeah, no, and that's why um, is because I don't teach it all the time. And the truth is in this world, uh, this we're all Zoom. I think we're all Zoom fatigued. And so if you can do something on your, um, on your own time, I think that's really helpful. So I'm probably going to record it actually again in the next couple of weeks. And then awesome. uh, the second one is actually for, um, for athletes or for, um, it kind of branches out to, I also treat, um, some entertainers and CEOs and things. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And so, um, that are, you know, like high level, high achievers. And, uh, mm-hmm. this course is based, it's called, uh, it's an introductory to health and wellness, and it is recorded on my website. Um, that you can purchase. And that talks about more of the, like, um, how, what is our health and it's mental, physical, emotional health. Um, and it all shows up in your body and how can we impact the injuries, the long-term like overuse injuries we have or chronic illness or whatever, um, by looking at our health from this like bigger, wider picture and looking at the Mm -hmm. nervous system and genetics and things like that, um, Mm -hmm. which is really kind of fun. And that's not a long one. That's like an hour and 15 minutes recorded. is that a CEO 
um, you course at all? Or, or that one's not because it's for the lay person, but I yes. mean, of course, um, I do think that um, clinicians would probably like it as well, just from like a talking point to their patients. Um, yeah. But it really, it the first time I taught it was Sunday to a bunch of female CEOs. Um, and uh, it was great. And so I just That's haven't cool. gotten that part yet. But the other one is a CE course. Okay, awesome. awesome. Yeah. And Blair, so you, so you have the, um, the dry needling course, you said. Yeah. So, yeah. So my dry needling is through Myopain seminars. So okay. that is, that's who hosts that. Um, yep. I teach for them and I, I probably teach that class actually kind of like in your backyard. I'm in Bethesda, Maryland. Okay. Just oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I was just up there last month and then, um, I'm teaching in Atlanta and then the spring, I think I'm teaching in Chicago. I try to teach it three to four times. Okay. a year so maybe like once a quarter and we try to find different places um to host it so you can always go on their website if you want to see the next time I'm teaching which is probably not until 2022 at this point um yeah. in spring yeah and, then, and so that that's that's where I that's where that course kind of sits so I created the course and right now I'm the only one who teaches cool. it on their faculty because I'm the only wow. like true pelvic floor therapist who works for them as faculty and so that's that class. And then I'm also um, an instructor for evidence in motion and they have an entire oh, public cool. health certification program, which a lot of people don't know about. Um, but it's, it's a hybrid um, online and with some face-to-face -face lab time as well. So it's kind of cool the way they set it up and they have, um, you can do a whole certification, which is, I believe it's eight months now you can do okay, yeah. a there's a whole certification, which is pretty cool. Or you can just take the individual classes as continuing it. So you have choices okay. how you would do that. And then they have an advanced pelvic health course that I'm also, that I teach. I teach, I tag team with my um, program director on that. And she does typically the online part. And then I teach the lab part in person. So awesome. it's fun. Cool. So I like, yeah, they're just, it's just fun and it's different. And, and I, I just love to teach. I should probably do more of it, but I'm just, I don't, I've got a lot do so of much. I got, yeah, you fine. know, you're on this podcast, you're momming, you're running, well, you're running now, <laughs> treating, it's a lot. Hopefully we'll die on this race. I'll be good. You'll be fine. Well, it'll be great. Uh, awesome. Cool. I don't think I knew that unless you, you did tell me that in our initial message, you know, back in the summer, but um, yeah, I've done some stuff through evidence in motion too. So, and so that's awesome. Very cool. Um, would you guys have any advice for, let's just say, cause it's like, honestly, the most common um, person that, you know, might be listening to this, someone who's basically just like me, um, you know, works with a lot of runners, going to see a decent amount of um, postpartum women runners, where would you recommend that they start? And it's okay if you have biases, obviously you guys both, you know, teach and stuff like that, but where would you recommend that they start if they wanted to say take a course or is it not a course, where should they start in getting to, you know, become educated at a level that they can provide, you know, well for their clients? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good question. Obviously we're biased. I mean, we have, I think the cheapest, easiest thing to do is start with, you know, the book we wrote um, and yeah. then find a good mentor. I mean, honestly, yeah. um, I, I say that I spend a lot of time mentoring actually um, my, all my, um, 
employees. That was the word I was looking for. I do a lot of mentoring um, for my employees. And then, you know, people will call and ask to do that. And so I think that really getting that hands-on experience and being in front of patients and doing case studies and, and talking it through and reading the research um, is, is a really great way, but it's, it's being in front of an expert and utilizing mm-hmm. them because what you're not going to learn in the books is um, the clinical patterns. What you're not going to yeah. learn in the books is um, the like funny things that we say to a client that makes them buy in. Um, you know, yes. like no, that's oh, important. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a lot of it. And so mm-hmm. yeah, start with the book. Find a good mentor. Um, a lot of uh, cash-based PTs do great mentoring at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, you know, take courses as many as you can in your um, area of interest. And a lot of times, it's word of mouth. What courses are good? What you know, which which courses are really going to be beneficial. Obviously I'm, I'm uh, biased about mine because I wrote it, but that's fine. Right. And I would yes, be biased to- towards anything that Blair did because I love her. Um, but there are also <laughs> plenty of other running related courses out there that are really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could add into that. I think if you're talking specific about like the pregnant and postpartum runner, I think there there's a lot of stuff out there and I could probably make a hundred recommendations on like this course is good or this person's good or, but I think the thing to remember is you don't, and we were talking about this a little bit before you don't have to go all in on the pelvic floor. I think Mm -hmm. we're at a point now as a profession where there really are a lot of good people that have specialties and, and niche areas of, of practice. And so I think if you could find a good, you know, outside of everything Kate said, if you were going to look for, say you have like, I can take one course this year, Mm -hmm. find a really good one that talks about what's actually happening during the entire childbearing year. So what's going on in pregnancy, and then maybe what's going on postpartum, in terms Mm -hmm. of how the body is responding physiologically, and some of the common things you might see in someone who is either pregnant or just had a baby. And that could be the orthopedic piece or the pelvic piece. And, and from a pelvic standpoint, understanding how to screen for these pelvic floor conditions externally and knowing when to refer, knowing this is what I can do. Here's, here's some skills I have that can make a difference for a lot of people really quickly. And when that doesn't work, or it's very obvious that this person needs more, I figure that out and I get them in the hands of the right person. I think that tag teaming, I mean, we do, we do so much of that now. And, and, you know, my practice also is a cash based out of network practice. And I think as we were talking about like time and money is really valuable. And Mm -hmm. for me, it's really about making sure my patient gets what they need. Mm -hmm. And if that means you're going to see me three visits less, because I need you to go see Kate, who's the expert in getting people back to running, that's what I'm going to do. And Mm -hmm. it's going to help them. And likewise, she's going to see someone and say, Hey, I really need Blair to check this out. Mm -hmm. And when that person comes to me, I'm not going to say, Oh my God, I have to keep you forever. Like that. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's, we really collaborate and work well together. And I think at the end, the person who wins the most is the patient. And so I think this is something that you're seeing and you feel like you're lacking a skill set or a technique or a screening tool 
you know, find someone who's teaching that. How do you screen for return to run readiness postpartum? Or how do you look yeah. for common pelvic floor dysfunction during the childbearing year and know what to look for and then know when you have to refer out? Yeah. No, I think yeah. that's, yeah, that's a really good point. That's probably even more important. Like, yeah, as you're talking, it's like, it'd probably be more important to know that for sure and have that down. Like, even if it's just, even if you just have like a handout to know that for sure versus like having to be the expert. Cause like you said, I mean, unless you're in a very rural area um, for the most part, they're good get pelvic or, you know, specialists in your area at this point, it's, you know. And I think the collaboration piece and what you said, Blair, about just putting your ego aside is a really big deal. So um, I know that now that I'm an older, <laughs> I'm not that old really, but like an older PT, you know, older, um, not as old. No, you're much older. So it makes it me happy. <laughs> it makes you feel better. Like, I feel much better about myself. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but being, um, being out for, um, quite a while and really learning like, Hey, you don't have to know everything and you can't know everything. And there are people that know the things that you don't know. And rather than trying to, um, let your ego get in the way and trying to learn every single thing, because you have to be perfect at everything, which I think, yeah. um, our field, we Common. tend to do that. Um, I think what you do is you find your person that's, you know, um, knows whatever it is you're missing and you really work and collaborate with them. Cause once you find that partnership, um, you'll find that your patients will get better faster. They'll be happier because you're doing the right thing. And you're not like trying to always just like figure it out and be the one person. Um, I think that collaboration piece is huge. Yeah, no, I love it. No, I think that's good. You know, like, I think it's good. Like, instead of going in the direction of like, Hey, like what course do we need to take? What do we need to do? Like, you're like, Hey, but these are the more important parts, you know, find the mentor, um, you know, collaborate and, um, know the, the, the signs versus just having to do it all yourself. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Um, we'll wrap this up shortly here. I just want to ask you guys one more question as far as I know you guys are both business owners. You both have been business owners for quite some time. Now I have a lot of um, other PTs that listen to this, other clinicians. Um, if you could both give one piece of advice for a new business owner or a business owner that is, um, you know, thinking about starting their own cash-based, you know, practice, since you both are in that field, uh, what would it be? And if something doesn't come to mind right away, I'll, I can um, narrow it down a little bit further too. I think the problem is there's 500 things that come to mind. I know. So, well, we can do that you, Blair. <laughs> it's up to you guys. Like, I know we all shared, we're all hungry, but... I'm open yeah. to hear it all because this is, so, so I've, got a, I've got a good one. And this has, this is like nothing, what we've even talked, this has nothing to do with clinic. This is all like pure yeah, business. business. Uh, well, that's what I want. Yeah. Do not undervalue your expertise. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is I see this all the time and I see it um, with newer clinicians, with more experienced clinicians, don't be afraid to charge what you're worth. Um, yeah. It, you know, when you come into a business, it, it, if you have the confidence and you take care of your people, they will pay. I mean, not that I'm charging thousands, but they will pay thousands if that's because they trust you that much. And I think it's, yeah. I meet so many, I meet so many people in this profession. And I think it's because we're a caring, giving profession that mm -hmm. on the flip of that, it's, well, then how can I ask someone to pay for this? Mm -hmm. Um, but this is your time and this is your expertise. And this is something, you know, I think when you, this is, 
you know, my, my previous business partner taught me this really early on, like that you have to charge for what you're worth. And I'm really glad mm-hmm. you know, she and I didn't always get along on everything, but this is, I learned so many lessons from her and that was a big one. Like you have to charge what you're worth. And I think there's so many of us that are so afraid to say I'm worth this much money, Yeah. And, but yeah, but there's going to be someone down the street who's going to charge it and they're going to get it. So yeah, don't, exactly. don't be afraid to, so, so don't undervalue yourself and don't be afraid to charge what you're worth. Yeah. That's, and I think it just, like you were saying, like our profession, like we're so one, we're accustomed to not getting paid a lot, but then two, it's like, I mean, it's just a whole different field, but it's like, I think it can take sometimes being like, you are, I mean, it sounds extreme, but it's like, you literally can't put food on the table if you're not going to charge this amount. Like we, we can't actually make right. it at this. If you're actually, once you actually get into the business world and like, oh, I actually have to make in, you know, a living off there's business taxes. There's all this other stuff. It can sometimes even take, like, I know for me early on, I was like, oh my gosh. But then once you learn, I was like, anyone I coach, I'm like, you have to, it's, it's just not worth your time. If you don't coach it, if you don't, if you don't um, charge at least this much, I'm just, it's just not, um, but yeah. not that it should be all about that either. But like you said, like charge your worth and like, honestly, your clients are going to show up more too. Right. Like, right. They're, well, that's they're why I, that the game. I think, I think that's the thing that kind of gets dropped. You're thinking about all these other things about running a business, marketing, yeah. and operations and equipment and space and what it needs to look like. And then you you don't talk about that and it, it kind of just gets hidden. And I think a big eye opener for me, at least, was when I started hearing what some of these corporate owned and hospital run outpatient practices, like what they actually charge, not what insurance is paying. Yeah. But what they actually charge. And yeah. the reality is some of them will get everything they charge because depending how they set their contract up, if somebody's deductible hasn't been met, they could be paying hundreds, like mm-hmm. a lot of money, like several hundreds for an evaluation. And so yeah. when I started hearing that, um, my attitude changed even more. And, the, and <laughs> you know, and just, and it's like, just, you just kind of have to do it. And, and I think that's the thing we kind of, we, we always put ourselves last. That's what we did. We're women, Mm -hmm. we're moms, we're PTs. Like we, we always put ourselves last, but I think if you have to your point, like peace of mind that your rent's going to be paid and you can put food on the table. Yeah. Everything else to me, everything else is bonus. It's like, okay, I've covered my rent. Mm -hmm. I've covered my expenses and I cover my rent and everything else is bonus. I can give back to my staff. I can invest back in my business. I can maybe take an extra vacation, but you have to be able to do those basic things too. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think that's great. Perfect. I love it. Mm. Kate, what would would be yours? Do you have any one thing that comes to your mind? Um, Yeah. From a business standpoint is invest in your people. I mean, honestly, um, my business would not be what it is if I didn't have the good people that I have and if they didn't, um, if they didn't feel supported. And mm-hmm. so a huge part of what I do that I know is very different. I mean, a lot of my PT friends and business owners will, you know, tell me I do too much for my people and that I spoil them or whatever, all this stuff. And, you know, um, it's really interesting the comments that I get when they hear what I'm doing, but at the same time, you know, through the pandemic, my staff, I took very good care of them to the best of my ability and they appreciated it and they showed appreciation and they stuck with me. I didn't let anybody go. Nobody left. Um, they made it through. And then, you know, after that, um, 
I, this week, something really tough happened in the clinic for one of our people. And we all just kind of huddled around and supported them. And we kind of say, this is our precision family. Like we Mm -hmm. are family and we support each other in every aspect we can. And so one of the big things that we do, even in the beginning of a staff meeting is, Hey, what mistakes have you made this week? Um, Mm -hmm. so that everybody can know and everybody can learn from them. And Mm -hmm. I tell my mistakes too. And then I say, what are your wins and, you know, what do you need support in? And so, um, just kind of starting it and investing in your people. And then, you know, if at the end of the year, if I've, we've made extra money, I like to give them bonuses and throughout the year I do things like that for them or randomly. I'll just, you know, I buy lunch or whatever it is, just, Um, and a lot of mentoring and a lot of teaching. And I know that my team is with me for a long, long time and they have been. Um, and if I need to ask something like, uh, for a hard thing, like I had to ask someone this week, if they could switch their schedule for me, um, like forever or for several months, because, um, this other PT was having a hard time and couldn't do something. And I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody responded and everyone said, what do you need me to do? And it was because they feel loved and cared for. And um, I don't know. So my people are very important to me. And um, I just think that I wouldn't be able to do what I do without them. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I love like the whole, like where you guys share like your mistakes and then also your wins. Cause I think that can just make it a very open environment and feel okay to fail, but also that you're all going to learn and grow quicker that way. Sometimes it's too open. I mean, (laughs) sometimes sometimes I'm like, man, did you have to tell me that? (laughs) I don't know anything about your personal life now, but no, no, but it's, uh, no, it's really great. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, ladies, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. This was awesome. Like we hit like everything from you know, from the book to helping with runners to, you know, for PTs into the business um, advice. It's been great. Um, I do. And gosh, I was, if you guys are fine and I, if you need to go, it's fine. I, I end the show just by sharing your breaking five moment is how I usually end it. Um, so basically it's just like, Hey, what has been your breaking five? What's been your uh, biggest accomplishment because this super short because I know we're right at that like hour 20 mark right now um but as far as what has been your usually it's in running but it could be in business or in your public health career um where something you didn't think you could accomplish or just what was like that big accomplishment you've achieved or you are setting out to achieve still mm, you go first you be, usually it's running oh, but running a- business pelvic pt um, yeah, I can't, I can't say I've had a whole lot of running accomplishments. I did. I have several half marathons, which is huge for me. I, and I did, and if you want a running accomplishment, I did the triple peach one year, which here in Atlanta is a combination of the Peachtree road race, which is a 10 K race on July 4th, followed by a 10 mile race in October, followed by the Thanksgiving half marathon. So I did do that. That was a big, that was a that big running cool. accomplishment <laughs> for me. Um, I honestly, I think professionally, I think my biggest accomplishment is, and I think I'm still coming into this. I'm really trying to realize this vision of transforming women's health in a way, kind of like what Kate was talking about, that it really truly is about wellness and that you have to pull in physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual, and make this well-rounded human being. And that, that for me, that's my big vision. And I think I've finally, I'm at a point now in my career where I've positioned myself to be able to go for that and make steps towards it. 
Yeah. No, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Kate, what would you say yours is? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think if you qualify and run the Boston Marathon, that's a pretty awesome, um, goal in terms of a running goal. And I certainly did that. So that was pretty big for me a while ago, but that, that probably is my running goal. And then in terms of business and life, I think for me, I struggled a long time with, um, how to be a clinician and a business owner. And, um, Mm -hmm. I love treating patients but it's mm-hmm. very hard to treat all the patients. Cause I just, I've had a six month waiting list for years <laughs> um, for my patients years. And yeah. um, I never had enough time in the day. Right. And so if I work, if I put 60 hours on the schedule, it was full. If I put 30 hours on the schedule, it was full. It did not matter. Yeah. Um, so I struggled with that whole idea. And then when I started to, you know, run my own business and it's, you know, I wrote my book partially about everything that happened, but my first book, but, um, I realized that I'm never going to have enough hours in the day and I need to figure out how to structure my life so that I can be successful in treating my patients, but also, you know, run a business, be a mom, um, write the things that I want to write and teach what I want to teach and do my podcast. And so I've learned how to structure my life in a way, um, that I can do all of the things I love. Um, and you know, um, have like really empower others to help me with those things so that Mm -hmm. they can all be done really well. And then also, um, make time for myself, which has been, um, I mean, it is so hard as a business owner to do that. And I think that that's, that's really been the biggest thing is I have these successful businesses, um, a few businesses and, um, it's, you know, my people are important and I need to invest in myself and, um, being able to figure out what that balance looks like. No, I love it. And you said that's a little bit in your first book too. Oh yeah. So that's a whole, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. It has to do, I almost died, uh, training for a half Ironman, um, because of the yeah. Rare genetic heart disease. Oh, um, okay. and so that's what that, my first book is about. I know that's a bomb. Sorry. Um, and so, uh, oh, and by the way, no, I didn't mean it like that. I'm just so used to no. talking about it that like, yeah. um, but that really changed my mindset and changed how I looked at my life and what mm-hmm. was important for me. And, right. um, it was that, that sent me on this, um, this journey and down this path of, of choosing myself as Blair often says, but also, um, figuring out how to manage all of the things, um, in a meaningful way. Yeah. Yeah. No. Awesome. Cool. I love that one. I feel like that's different, um, than just, you know, sharing like a race win and stuff. So awesome. Well, ladies, it's been great. This has been, um, super informative, super helpful on so many levels. Um, I will have all your information again in the show notes. Again, if anyone listening, Go ahead, stop and pee is their book. We'll put that in the show notes and any of the courses we talk about and all of that. Um, but I thank you guys for taking your t- this your time this evening. Um, you guys had any parting thoughts um, on our way out? No, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having us and and uh, putting so some stuff out in the world for our fellow runners and clinicians. And <laughs> yeah, thanks. No, it's been yeah. great. It's all right, awesome. guys. That is the end of this episode. Until next time, go run your lives. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Bye, guys. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips, and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking Five moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking Five moment, 
that doesn't have to actually mean literally breaking five, just a breaking five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their breaking five moment, I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram, and that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore run your life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already, to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.